Mr. Brian. Mr. John. How's the uh, how's the legs today? They're a little stiff, not going to mm. lie. Mm. Uh, we had quite a climb yesterday. Yeah, it was quite a confusing and challenging climb. Yeah, I lost you there for a little while. We had to consult the moss on the trees to figure out where we were. Right, and then um, we determined that the moss grows on the north side of the tree, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. And so that must mean that I'm due west. Right. Yeah, yeah. we figured it out. And all, all that drama uh, made me think of a movie that I had recently seen. Hmm. Yeah? Yeah. I'll, I'll re- read you a few reviews that I uh, typed up. Okay. And brought with me. Mm-hmm. First review says... If an artistically crafted sci-fi thriller dealing with technology, humanity, with body horror elements is your favorite, you may love this film. So if you have those specific criteria, mm-hmm. this film is for you. Well, it says you may love this film. There's you may, a possibility okay. that you yeah. won't. Yeah. You're within the criteria, but right. you still might dislike it. As, as Bill Clinton used to say, we're, we're triangulating. Second review is a little longer. With excellent actors, and, and he goes on to name them, playing characters who at times inhabit each other. This movie is always interesting to watch, but there's something missing, a clarity of focus and intent. Uh, sometimes humor is the best way to communicate really sharp ideas and concepts. Comedy can be sophisticated that way. It gets the job done quicker and more effectively than straight drama or tragedy. This movie, however, is humorless, start to finish. Its energy is ponderous and glum, and the provocative ideas are not given a chance to really take on a life of their own. Still, there's much here that is imaginative and fresh. Sort of like the vegetable aisle at the grocery store. Uh, well, depending on the day you go. I, I'm not really sure why humor has to be uh, as a, as a uh, sort of mechanic, yeah. but uh, it's an interesting approach, okay? You're, you're not going to laugh because <laughs> of this body horror. Right. According to this reviewer. As opposed to other body horror, which is hilarious. Yeah, right. Uh, I think the third review will uh, probably triangulate you on this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a short review, six words. Cronenberg by name, Mm. Cronenberg by nature. Mm. That's it? That's the (laughs) the, the review. (laughs) I mean, like I got paid to write that. Cronenberg. So you would think, oh, of course, David. But you'd be wrong if you made right. that assumption. He yeah. had a son who also is a director. Right. And uh, debut film? I believe this was actually his sophomore effort. I don't remember what his first movie was, but it was not well regarded. So this one was a relative surprise for for the reviewer that I had read. Wow. Deep uh, Brandon Cronenberg knowledge. Well, movie, of course, Possessor, circa 2020. 2020. Yeah. Relatively recent. Do you think you can summarize this bad boy? Oh. We might need to team this. I, I would say that I can start. Sure. I'll uh, plug in and, and inhabit and take over when, when, you, uh, when you fail. Please become my surrogate when necessary. A movie shot in 2018, but based in, I don't know, 2008, I believe. And in this time era, there is a invention of sorts that would allow one to take over the psyche of another person and that in itself almost like puppeteering another person 
Mm-hmm. And that in itself is fascinating. You can go thousands of different ways with that. Uh, this organization, this company, decides that the best use of this technology is to inhabit other people and then use those individuals as pawns to assassinate other individuals. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a complex series of steps to get money, but that's the end, end goal, really, from what I can tell. Yeah, they're, they're a proper corporation. Yeah. So the plot line is that there's this assassin, Tasia, and she is being sharpened to be the most expert assassin. And in this process, she's inhabiting other individuals and trying to take them out. In the beginning, she takes the form or owns the psyche of, of one lady who then stabs a gentleman. I don't know if they gave a lot of plot background as to what that person's role was or what the purpose of that mission was, but stabs someone to death. Then uh, main character Tasa comes out, goes about her business, sort of seen as this up-and-coming best assassin, then is then reassigned to another job and goes through and becomes the identity of Colin, who is a boyfriend of the daughter of a multimillionaire. More than that, I mean, someone who has an insane amount of money. And so the goal of taking over Colin is to assassinate the multimillionaire and the daughter. So then in some form, that inheritance is then brought back to the organization, the, yeah. the hiring organization. Yeah. There is a, another son, I think. The, the, the corporate owner is named Sean, Ava's father, who is a total terrible human being. Everybody hates him, including his daughter. And I believe that the, the organization's goal is to uh, frame Colin for the assassination. And then somehow the other son, I guess Ava's brother or stepbrother or something, is going to take over. And, and indirectly, yeah, somehow the, the assassination company, Assassination Inc., I don't know what they were called, mm-hmm. will, um, or just Ass Inc. for short, mm-hmm. will, will, um, will somehow gain control of the company. So yeah, it's all, it's all profit-driven. Yeah, so that background structure isn't really uh, kind of investigated within the movie plot line. No, it's it's thinly, uh, it's presented thinly, but uh, there's enough there to like believe it um, and understand it as a motivation. But yeah, you're right; it's not the focus. Uh, I was reminded of the Assassin's Creed video uh, game series, which, in my opinion, is not so fun to play. But uh, yeah, every one of those games they've made. Dozens of them, I think, uh, several of them, but the same principle you're, you plug into this network of consciousness and go back in time in the video game, you go back in time to like the American revolution period in one game or like the age of pirates in another game. And and you basically assassinate people. I never watched the cinematics between, you know, the gameplay, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, loosely based, same, same kind of, same kind of idea. For those of you that have played the Assassin's Creed games. In the Assassin's Creed games, where is the central origin time frame? Just the, the vague present. Hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that yeah, that this movie had it had a dystopian feel. It was like set in the past from our point of view, 2008, but sort of projecting, you know, 
I don't know how you would describe it. The 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 company that Colin works for, for example, uh, it's a very menial job. He he sits in front of a computer screen, kind of like a VR uh, set, and looks uh, spies upon people through their webcams. And apparently, the goal the 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 product that he produces is uh, identification of their household goods like he spends uh, a whole scene identifying people's style of drapes like window drapes mm-hmm. and i guess uh, you know that's something that today would be done by tracking your purchases you know you you uh you, or your or your web web uh history like you you are you put in a search for new curtains and you went to curtains.com and and looked at these kinds and then and then you would get like targeted ads based on that i think that's the principle of of uh, Sean Parse's company is that, yeah, it, it, but it's a, it's sort of a more intrusive dystopian uh, way of uh, uh, creating targeted advertising. Is that your read of what he did at, at work? I felt like it was a bridge between market research and Google images. So you can search on Google images by an image. So you can take something that you have to take a photo of, and then you can search the internet based on that photo, and then it'll pull up like images so for me, it felt like he was being placed in this dystopian modern day mining type or uh, job where instead of the system or algorithm finding like images, it was his job to kind of inventory these like images so that then they mm-hmm. can be searched for. But something in the same realm, but very menial, uh, basic, like at times uh, the billionaire was essentially belittling him by saying, oh, is this a job you can manage? Are you sure you can manage this job? Uh, when it's obvious, uh, a very basic, grueling type experience. Yeah, there were several aspects about that particular scene that made it uncomfortable for me. And I'll mention two of them. One is that, well, I guess it was cool that the the assassin, Tasia Voss, is controlling his consciousness, Colin's consciousness, as he goes to work and himself enters a VR realm um, so that's that's like you know a loop inside of a loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, and then the other thing is like his very work was rendered more inhuman and sort of more dystopian because that's the sort of work that is done by computer algorithms, like you said. Like as far as I know, there's not actual people pouring through. I guess there are to some extent content moderators that do that sort of thing, but like the bulk of the work I feel like is done by computer algorithms. So there's something just sort of dehumanizing about people doing computer work, mm-hmm. work that could be done by computers? Uh, I don't know if I finished the summary. No, there's much more that happened. Did you want to give it a yeah, shot? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so basically when Tasia is inhabiting Colin's consciousness, there are some problems with the interface. Um, I guess she has to do some kind of update synchronization every day where she has to plug back in and kind of make sure everything gets realigned. But um, she starts, well, I think they called it artifacting. Uh, she starts seeing these little, they just look like little pieces of fuzz, but they're like these little floating, jiggling bits of... Styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess she's supposed to report those and report that. Um, and and I, I believe the cause of the artifacting is that she, as a as an employee is struggling with reintegrating her self-consciousness, her, her uh, own life when she gets done with these jobs. So she's steadily kind of losing the ability to, to 
for her mind to separate those different consciousnesses, those different self-consciousnesses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she for some reason she doesn't report to her boss while she while she's calling. She's supposed to report any anomalies, but she refuses to, and she keeps saying that everything's fine despite the fact that after that scene where he's identifying curtains at work, he kind of passes out and uh, yeah, just kind of lies to to her, his boss, her boss that <laughs> things are going off fine. But yeah, uh, Colin, the actual Colin, somehow his his will. It, it, most of the time is subdued by this procedure, but, and he's actually anesthetized in the back of a van. They like actually kidnapped him, I guess, to just keep his physicality hidden from other people. But yeah, he uh, mentally sorts, sort of starts to come awake and, uh, and retakes over his own consciousness. So it's this battle of, of uh, Tasia versus Colin inside of Colin's consciousness. And, um, and yeah, that where that all leads, I got a little bit lost, but uh, um, somehow Colin brings it so far in the other direction, the other side of the spectrum, that he's now in Tasia's life, mm-hmm. and he goes to Tasia's house and um, starts threatening Tasia's husband because he's trying to find her and like get her out of his head. So that there's some sort of bridging of those realities. Yeah, it was very. Uh, it was cool, but uh, like, I, I, my impression of this movie is very thoughtfully made. It was very, very careful and very like well paced, and and it took you along with it. But um, and then, the, but yeah, I still got a little bit lost. And there's that, there's that whole thing about the way that Tasia exits from one of these jobs is to commit suicide. That's mm-hmm. apparently how. I don't know if they're doing that for a for a reason that that's the only way for the connection to be broken or if they always want to make these assassinations look like uh, murder suicides but she can never on on the first job at the, with which the movie begins she's unable to 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 shoot herself and then she can't also shoot herself as Colin and that leads to her boss having to put on the headset and come in and uh, basically murder her in order to save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and that got all very, that, I mean, it was cool, but um, it got a little bit, got a little bit tangled for me. Okay. So let's, let's agree on a plot line so that at least we're on the same page. We may be incorrect, but at least if we're on the same page, we can talk about it. So my viewpoint of this uh, sort of, puppeteering is that Colin gets kidnapped, pulled, pulled into the back of a van and then gets a little device in the top of his head. And that device is a transmitter, almost like a cell phone transmitter. And then the, uh, the assassin is in a chair with his head helmet on and is transmitting her psychic abilities to control to Colin, who's walking around and has this little transmitter on the top of his head. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. so Colin is released from the van. He goes I about his you. business while he's carrying around this transmitter. And so, like, the point at which the person's killed, yeah, I think it's like a clean exit. Like, there isn't any suspicious investigation that needs to be done. The guy killed himself, and then that kills the assassin, but the would-be assassin, like Colin, and then the, the person who's uh, controlling the host then just comes back, but... I think they could leave whenever they want to, 
but they don't want to abandon the process because they can't maybe get back in. That's just my guess. So one way of doing that would be killing themselves because the suicide is quite obvious. Um, I think it could be done a multitude of different ways. So death is the only way to break the... You can establish the link through the, the wiring, but you can't break the link unless you are, are murdered, are, are killed. I'm thinking that you could break the link, but the best exit professionally is to make sure the host has killed themselves. Well, when Gerder, the boss, takes on the consciousness of Tasia's child, her only reason for doing that, I think, is to go and stab her. So mm -hmm. uh, presume if you're right, then Gerder could have just unplugged Tasia and saved her. Why did she go to the trouble of inhabiting Tasia's son and then going in and killing her in order to pull her out. It feels yeah. to me like you have to, you have to kill the character in order to be safely removed. Okay. We'll agree to that. I'm fine with that as a detail. Yeah. So, right. So that's the only way you can get out is if uh, the host is killed essentially. So what, what, what is the meaning behind Tasia's inability to kill herself as these other individuals? Did you mm -hmm. have a thought about that? Well, there's two kind of uh, undefined motivations that seem to be overtaking Tasia. One is that if she comes to her target, she, for whatever reason, doesn't use her pistol and instead brutally stabs the person yeah. in like an uncontrollable rage, which isn't really defined as to why that is the case. And what was the other question? Why um, is she unable, un unwilling or unable to pull the trigger up to yeah. herself? Well, there's only really two options, I would imagine, is that it's either Tasia's inability to shoot herself in the face because she's not sure if she'll be able to be removed appropriately or successfully. And, or the other possibility could be that the, uh, the psyche of the person that's being controlled is only able to hijack this process when it comes to significant personal death, essentially. And so then that this little kind of toehold on the, the animated process can be overtaken if the person is ending their own life. And so then that little subroutine just is unable to be controlled ultimately by the person that's taking over the host. Yeah, it could also be a sign that she is too attached to these individuals she's inhabiting. Like she's, she has the self-preservation instinct that's really not appropriate because she's lost touch with herself as Vastasia mm -hmm. and she's too wrapped up in herself as Colin or herself as the, the, uh, the first victim. So she's, yeah, hmm. that, that would tie into that larger sense of muddled um, identities. The one little plot detail is when she comes out of her hijacked state, there's a kind of grounding exercise or exam yeah. that's done. And in the first examination, Tasia is able to express guilt. And then later she isn't. And so maybe there's a, a certain feeling of guilt that goes along with killing the person that you have inhabited because she's literally walked around in their shoes and the guilt associated with killing the person that she's inhabiting is t too much for her to bear. You're talking about the butterfly that she had mounted as a kid? 
Right. So at the exit interview, after you finish overtaking a host, there's a, a process where you, it actually kind of reminded me of the way that someone goes about managing panic attacks is that there's a kind of a grounding experience where you try and, at least within panic attacks, you want to look at the environment in which you're in and ground yourself to it, such as touch something that's cold, touch something that is textured, kind of feel the pressure of the ground on the bottoms of your feet, pay attention to the smells, the experiences of what's present. And it kind of felt a little bit like that with the uh, exit interviews where she had to touch objects. And in the, in the first exit interview, she was like touching and feeling objects and smelling the pipe of her grandfather and uh, holding the the butterfly that was in a case and looking at it and describing what it was, but also the emotion associated with it. So it's, it's like a, uh, both a grounding, but also uh, verifying that you are back into your original psyche. I, I noticed that too, that she expressed regret about having killed the butterfly as a child in the first scene, the first grounding experience. But later at the end of the movie, she, she just said, Oh, that's a butterfly I killed when I was a kid. She did not express uh, remorse at having done it. Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was a, a neat uh, development. Um, there's also that um, she, she's kind of like, there's several scenes where she's sort of practicing her lines. Like before she inhabits Colin, she kind of spies on him and um, tries to mimic his voice and his, his uh, vocal tempo and stuff. And um, so she has to do that to mimic his look and feel when he, when she inhabits him. But then when she's properly herself, when she goes back to visit her kid and her husband, um, she stands there outside their house for a bit, kind of remembering her lines, practicing Tazia's lines. So, um, yeah, there, there's uh, that element of like, and I, I viewed the the exit interview along the, in that same category. It's like it was the same objects, the same sort of sentences. You know, it seems to me like it would have been a more authentic test of her return to self if the boss had presented a variety of objects each time, you know, and then true or false, you know, is this yours? Is this your, your thing from when you were five, but it's like a mecha, it's like the same objects. It's just, she, she just learns her line. She learns to say, Oh, that's the pipe. Oh, that's the butterfly. So she's, she's like the, the true her after, after a time is just as, just as put on, just as fictitious, just as a, just as much of a mask as the, people that she's inhabiting and maybe that's her boss's way of like shaping her into the perfect assassin because i don't know she she uh, eventually just her her true self is just another false self that she has to she has to put on i kind of interpreted that as if there's some possibility of like a backwash type experience where the psyche could come back and host or take over the original person uh in a sense because there were some objects that weren't hers. And so yeah. it was sort of like being able to identify that this is not an object associated with you. The only person that could do that would be the person. And then there was another experience that was happening maybe three quarters of the movie when Colin was being re-upped in a sense. At the end of a work shift, essentially, he came home and his coworker came over who was a plant uh, and that plant was trying to reorient, in a sense, 
Tasia to the Khan host. And in that test, there was pictures of objects, animals, really. And the person was saying, is this a fish or a horse? And they'd show the photo. And then the person had to say, it's a fish or, you know, or is this a house or is this a chair? And then they'd show the photo and they'd say house. So there was like this idea of being able to be oriented within the person. But that test didn't really seem to make sense because Mm -hmm. anyone perceiving or seeing out the eyes of that individual holding on to that psyche would be able to identify that it's a fish. Yeah. There, I don't know what I don't know what test that's supposed to screen for. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, a re- reorientation to to Colin's viewpoint on the world. It was just a reorientation to external reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all happening while Colin was sort of hunting her. So maybe yeah, I don't know if that was detected if that if that hunt was detected by the boss in some way. I guess it was if they if they sent the other guy to his sister. It could actually, yeah. So it could be an idea of are you intact? As in, can you both ambulate and see through these eyes and speak? And so that would show you have con- total control of the entire person, as opposed to this fighting experience where you may only control part of the psyche, which may only uh, would show that you haven't fully, uh, you're not fully in control of the of the person. I don't uh, necessarily want to close the door on that line of analysis, but I did want to bring up the uh, the whole other theme of sex and sex, the sexual act as well as physical uh, um, man, woman, body parts. Um, mm-hmm. There's that scene where she first becomes Colin, where she goes into the bathroom and sort of uh, inspects the male form and even uh inspects uh his member and uh, i thought that was a little bit of a weak point in the movie like assume the the assumption was that she had never or only very rarely inhabited men and with her level of experience that seemed implausible like why was she so curious about that that seemed kind of a a a, a step too far for the film you know to, to sort of sending a message about about I don't know, but um, and then there's all those scenes where Tasia, as Tasia is sleeping with her husband, and and then Tasia, as Colin is sleeping with Ava, there, there's some message, you know, all the all the body horror, all the blood, all the incredibly gory methods of killing her targets. I think are connected to the sex scenes as well. There's something. There's something in common that the director's trying to do with the with the body horror and with the sex. Hmm. Something about identity and and um, I don't know. I don't have I don't have real concrete ideas about it, but yeah, there's sex in the movie. I have another idea as well, but one item I have here is uh, five recommendations for a psych jump. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, I didn't know psych jumps were real. Are you offering these as um, an expert, or is this kind of like, you know, somebody who recommends vitamins, and you're like, these haven't really been proven to do anything? Yeah, if Brian's sitting in a chair, and he's about to take on a job, mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, look, here's here's five recommendations once you get in there. Do this first. Do, do, do this. Keep, keep, keep these in mind okay. during your psych jump, and uh, 
things might go better. In okay. Well, these are good tips. Yeah. Tip one, pretend to be sick. Mm. Being sick sort of suggests that you're kind of out of sorts. People are more forgivable to odd behavior. Yeah, uh, they're more forgiving and you could isolate from them and they wouldn't find it offensive. Yeah, so she, you, yeah, she never does that. She just denies and says everything's fine. Right. And so then there's also a level of passion to it where it's like, oh, do you need anything? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. Uh, but you're given this margin of error much larger than you would otherwise. Good tip. Pretend to be sick. Pretend to be sick. Tip number two, be general. Hmm. When someone's coming to talk to you, use kind of generalized pronouns like he, she, they, them, as opposed to trying to suggest, you know, their names. Mm -hmm. And if you're close enough, people are forgiving, you know. By doing this, you can interact fairly successfully without mm. actually knowing anyone. Calling them they or he or she works just as well. And, and just a kind of a subnote to that, if you're in an engaged in a conversation, you can't tell what's going on if you know this person or not, and they ask you a question, just ask them a question back. You know, wow. that's really dodge, tips. dodge the question and go into a question with them, and they'll just entertain themselves and, and give you clues and such. So pretend you're sick, mm -hmm. uh, use pronouns instead mm -hmm. of names, and right. uh, reverse question people. Reverse question people. I got another one. What's the tip for? Don't have sex with other people when in a psych job. Mm. I, I feel like it's a little rapey. Like, first off, you're experiencing someone else and having sex with another individual, and that individual that uh, the host is having sex with doesn't know that the host isn't who they are. And so there's like an ethical sort of like gray area there where you should just kind of avoid that whole sexual experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tasia has to have full believability. Mm -hmm. Maybe Ava initiated the, the sexual encounter. It's possible. It's possible. So not an absolute rule, just something to use as a ethical compass when you find yourselves in those situations. It's tip number four. Yeah. Tip number five, have multiple outs. Got to have multiple outs. So you could do the gun thing. Great. I don't even know where you got the gun to begin with. I guess when you were, when the plant was put in your brain, they handed you the gun you put in your pocket, but you could take a capsule, a poison capsule of sorts. Mm. You could throw yourself off the top of a building. Mm -hmm. And those are maybe a little too active. You could lay down across metro rails or something and have the mm. train come run you over you're not actively doing anything you're just passively being killed so you have to have multiple outs when completing the the job last one final tip tip number six cover your cycle you know what i'm saying cool yeah. the hole on the top of your head where this little radio transmitter of some sort is planted it's quite vulnerable mm. put a plug in it Put some super glue in it. I don't know. I don't know how it works technically. Wear a hat. That's a, wear a wear, hat. You could wear a hat. As basic as wearing a hat. But as we as we saw in the movie, the psych hold was compromised by a piece of glass. And I don't know. I feel like if you're a pro, you've done this a few times, you got to be creative in your thinking. And so plug your psych hole. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, yeah, real, real, uh, real good advice. And, um, everyone out there should give it some consideration. And I had one little piece here that I want to talk about. There is a weird exchange near the end, like in the 
third act where Colin, as controlled by Colin, was talking about this cat worm thing. This idea that, have you ever owned cats and emptied the litter box? And I guess there's yeah. this idea that like you could get a parasite in your body and that parasite, that worm in you would make you do things and then you wouldn't be the same person anymore. It was actually started with, she gets an idea in her head and that idea is planted by the worm and then you're not that person anymore. And that to me didn't feel like you were being controlled by someone else, like by another assassin entity, but more by controlled by an idea. And that kind of plays into the idea of are people master of their ideas or do ideas master people? As if someone tells me something, informs me about something, you could even say brainwashes me about something, and then I'm not that same person anymore. I'm animated by that idea and play that idea out in the world. And now I'm a fundamentally different person based on that idea that has taken me over in a sense. And that was a short little dialogue there that I thought was interesting, but I'm not sure how much that plays in the greater scope of the movie. He, Colin, during that scene was presented as kind of a raving lunatic. He, he invades the husband's home. He, uh, threatens him with a gun and, and starts yelling about cat litter and, and worms in his brain. That had a different feel to me than the struggle between Tasia and Colin over his will. He, when, when Colin gained control of Colin, and entered Tasia's world, he seemed relatively rational and, and had intentions and found her home and interrogated her child and things like that. But then when he got in the house, he kind of seemed to go crazy. And uh, yeah, that didn't, that had a different feel. So I don't know uh, it, what that adds to your comment, but um, it was like Colin commenting on the feeling of Tasia being in his head for the first time in the movie, whereas previously it had just been Colin uh, being this kind of undercurrent that was disrupting Tasia's control of Colin. It was almost like Colin was trying to gain sympathy from the husband and explaining his experience in yeah. the hopes that the husband then felt some sympathy and then would re reveal where the wife is, where Tasia is, I don't know his motivations. It, you know, he kind of seemed a little insane in a sense, but I felt like it was more that he was becoming the character and uh, kind of demonstrating how one might behave if they've had this experience. They they kind of reflect and they're like, oh my God, like I shot this person. I have these flashbacks of killing my fiance i think it's fiance and her her dad and i don't remember doing that and then sort of like this uh static of memory but then losing ability to control or ambulate your own body let alone understand what you're doing and so he's kind of like saying hey where's your wife do you know what's going on do you know what it's like to have this experience and then help me out here kind of a thing he, he, it seems like he connected the dots a little too quickly. I imagine if I were him and I had just sort of woken up to the fact that I'd killed my girlfriend and her father and also shot that other lady he was engaged 
in a relationship with in the shower, uh, my first thought would be, you know, he, he has a history of drug use and um, seems kind of a desperate character. Uh, so maybe, you know, uh, some kind of blackout or some kind of bad drug trip or something that made him do this, or just the natural rage that he would have felt, that he already felt towards Ava's father sort of bubbling over. He, he somehow makes this jump over into Tasia's actual life comes to understand, I guess, that she's a corporate assassin inhabiting his brain and goes to her goes to her house to try to find her when, in fact, she's inside his head and can't really be found there. Uh, yeah, it, it felt like uh, he went down that pathway uh, towards the truth relatively effortlessly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the last thing I wanted to bring up, there's a lot to talk about in this movie, but I thought the 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 cover art is misleading. It, there's a scene in the movie, but it's a very short one, where that cover art is visible and it's, it's a horrifying image. But I don't feel like that sets the right expectation for what this movie is like. Um, you know, it uh, it's certainly a, a body horror and awful. And I was literally covering my eyes with my hands during certain scenes of body horror. But um, that image on the cover art, I don't know what you thought about it, but it, it has a different feel than than uh, the real kind of thrust of this movie. That scene didn't really have any significance in the movie. That whole scene could be edited out where they show that mask in a sense. Uh, you know, it adds some of the visceral experience but as far as it, that whole section could be removed. So, yeah. And so like having that as the cover of the movie, it feels like, oh, this is just going to be a, you know, from opening scene till end scene, a just sort of amorphous bio experience. And yeah, it, had, it had like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel to it. Like that that's what I was expecting, you know, where he wears some kind of mask like that. With like, yeah. I, uh, yeah, that scene, I agree. Uh, the, the other scenes were like when she's going into Colin or Colin's taking over her, I don't remember, but there's those scenes of like her skin melting and reforming and uh, and Colin like crushing her face. Like those scenes were way more cool and evocative of the um, struggle for the will of uh, this individual than, than, the, uh, than the sort of face mask uh, thing was, I thought. They could have gone a little uh, more in certain directions. There's one little bit where they gave kind of like a, a pre-entry rundown of Colin and told Tasia that Colin has irritable bowel syndrome and mm-hmm. that if your side hurts, that could be it. IBS is kind of thought of as 50% psychological and 50% mm-hmm. physical. So maybe there could have been a little segue where the IBS went away or I don't know. That's yeah. No, I think the, I thought it not to, not to open up another can, but mm-hmm. just the, the ease, like she only practices her Colin act, you know, for a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's some message this movie has about kind of the, 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 uh, the vacuity of our relationships with other people. And she's able as Colin to pretty much befuddle her girlfriend her, his coworkers and and so on so there's like there's an it doesn't require much effort for Tasia to 
inhabit these other people's lives, even if it's only for 48 hours before she kills them all. But um, I felt like there was, there was something there. Uh, it, it seems to me like if you really wanted to do this well and really be careful and, and uh, you, you would do a little bit more of a, of a deeper dive into these person's biographies and mannerisms and all that sort of thing. But I don't know, yeah. maybe, maybe the psychological, maybe the brain connection does a lot of that for you. I don't know. Yeah. I could speak to the idea of, well, what's the point of having a strong interpersonal relationship? Could it just be companionship and then the reflection of the other person to you so that you just feel a level of support, which goes back to tip two, tip two, hmm. ask questions, ask, ask yeah. questions of the other person if they ask questions of you. All right, John. Well, um, this has been a hell of a hell of a walk. Okay, I'm I'm quite parched, and mm. uh, coming upon this well, I'm just going to pull up some water. And uh, do you have your uh, your uh, filter, your DNA zapper? I got my my, my mechanical filter, mm. and I have my uh, UV filter. That uh, sounds sounds safe. I hope you don't get a brain bug. 